Mum Talk Series 5 is supported by Bugaboo. 20 years ago, Bugaboo started a stroller revolution, changing the game with innovative products that had at their heart the desire to make parents' lives easier. Bugaboo continued to invent, develop, test and manufacture truly revolutionary products. Made to use every day, designed to last a lifetime. There's a Bugaboo pram, pushchair or stroller to suit every family's needs. Bugaboo know that it's not always easy, but that it's always worth it. They get that you're a parent and a person and with their extraordinary products, you've got this. Visit bugaboo.com forward slash mumtalk. Hello and welcome to Mum Talk Series 5, hosted by myself, Emma Jolin, mum to Amandine, who was born in September 2018. On this podcast, I share my journey of literally having no idea what I am doing, from pregnancy to life now with a baby. Through the podcast, I am joined by not only incredibly knowledgeable guests, some experts in their field, but also mums and dads sharing their experience of pregnancy and parenthood. You can trust in Mum Talk to be honest, real and informative and provide plenty of nod along and me too moments. Maybe you have a cup of tea with your feet up or perhaps your jogging shoes on and you're off for a stroll. Whatever and wherever you may be, thank you for listening and enjoy being part of today's conversation. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Mum Talk, Series 5, Episode 5. So I think I've started this podcast like five times now, so this one is the one. We're going to roll with this one, even if I make loads and loads of mistakes. There were only mistakes that I made in like the first few seconds of recording, but I haven't done one of these catch-ups for such a long time. I feel like I've lost my mojo, but I haven't. Um... I haven't done one of these catch-ups for ages because in series five, I feel like there's so much great information out there that I've wanted to share with you all and really helpful knowledge um, that I just haven't really felt like I've had much (laughs) that's been helpful to share with you. So this um, week, which is mid-series, is just a little catch-up of where I'm at with Amandine, what we're up to, how she's napping, um, and just what we've been doing. I'll discuss some of the topics that you guys kindly sent through thank you so much and answer some of your questions I put quite a few of the questions out on my Instagram stories in the hope that we could all come together and answer some of these questions because I seriously don't have all the answers and I must reiterate that on the podcast some of you and it's really really lovely that you do this send me some quite personal things to answer in in what's going on with your family and your baby I really don't have the answers all I can do is answer from our experience and try and help in any way that I can but I'm certainly no expert there are some amazing accounts on Instagram which I think I've highlighted loads and loads of times but there's gynies on there there's doctors on there there's loads of people on there and even though they can't answer specific questions midwives even though they can't answer specific questions um they can help a lot in by just what they're posting on Instagram so do go onto mine and have a flick through the stories and I think I've done a highlights on great accounts to follow and things like that so um follow them too because they're really really informative 
Next week on the podcast, I have a UK midwife who I'm talking to a UK midwife and it's brilliant, especially if you're listening and you're in your pregnancy journey um, and you're coming to the end of your pregnancy and you're looking at all your birth options. I remember thinking when I was pregnant, how late do you look at birth options? And I think I was maybe like 30 weeks and I was thinking, we really need to discuss this. We really need to get the ball rolling on this. But I think they only do it around 35, 36 weeks, don't they? Unless you are planning to have an early delivery or you have any complications or things like that so um it's a really great one to listen to that one is for you because I know there are loads of listeners who are pregnant right now and I didn't want series five to be everything about once you've had kids I wanted there to be something in there when you um are looking towards your birth it's also got a ton of stuff about postnatal care and what to expect from your midwife and health visitor for postnatal care so that's really important if you don't know what to expect and you've kind of just left hospital have a listen because it is um, really informative in that respect. I remember thinking, what happens What happens after I've given birth? No one tells you what to do after you've given birth. Suddenly you've got this baby and you're like, do I have checkups? What do I do? I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Anyway, enough of me waffling on about next week because next week is next week. And the only reason why I know what's happening next week is because I've been super, super organized and next week's podcast is actually already up on my podcast host. It is ready to go out live 6am next Wednesday morning because we are going back to France tomorrow. Tomorrow, in fact. So I'll set the scene. Right now, it's Tuesday. It's Tuesday afternoon. I've just got Amandine down to go to bed. We've had a whirlwind of a morning, which I'll come back to. Um, But I'm sitting on the floor in the end bedroom, which is where I record all my podcasts, Hendrick's napping in the bedroom furthest away, Amandine's napping in the bedroom next door, and uh, yeah, everyone's napping apart from me. (laughs) I would quite like to be napping, but actually Hendrick let me go back to sleep this morning, which was lovely, because I think he knew that I definitely had more things to get through this morning than he did, because I made a massive error. Normally when we fly to France, as you guys know from previous podcasts, we fly in the evening, because that's when the flights go on a Monday and we normally always fly on a Monday because of Hendrick's leave but this time because we're going for a week rather than 10 days we are flying on a Wednesday and the flight's in the morning on a Wednesday and did I remember this? No of course not so I think we have to be out at the house by 5 30 in the morning so Amandine's got to be awake, fed, and out the door. So it's going to be a really early morning for me, which is fine. Amandine's awake at the moment at 5.30 in the morning. So it's fine. It's no big deal. But I honestly thought the flight was tomorrow afternoon. So I thought I had all morning to get my stuff together. But I don't. It's just today. So this morning, um, what have we done already this morning? Amandine hasn't been particularly herself. I'll come back to this, but so we went to the doctor and we dropped off a wee wee sample, a urine sample this morning at the doctor's. Then I drove all the way into Exeter, um, went to go see a venue. Oh, exciting stuff. A venue um, for a really cool event that I'm doing, which I'm going to tell you about because I'm not one of these people, I don't think, who says, oh, I've got something really exciting happening and then never tell you. Um... And then we went into town, took back some Zara bits because I do love a bit of Zara shopping for Amaldine. Any mums out there who literally buy nothing for themselves but buy everything for their babies, 
I buy a lot of secondhand clothes, but Zara, if I need something new or if I really, really like something and I want to treat Amandine, I do go to Zara. We also do buy from Mini Bowden, but that's expensive. Mini Bowden is really expensive. We bought her a couple of jumpers, but actually on the clothes thing, because I did want to come to this, um, I know I'm really bouncing around on topics here, but you know, that's what happens when you listen to my podcast. Um, we managed to not buy her any nine to 12 month clothes <laughs> because she basically fit into her six to nine month and she still does. Um, so I've just gone straight to the 12 to 18 months. So I feel like I've really lucked out there and saved quite a lot of money, not having to buy her any clothes from nine to 12 months. Anyway, going back to what we were up to today. So we've been into town, been to Zara, had a really quick coffee with my friend and her baby who is, or her toddler, who is only a year, uh, only a year, only a month older than Amandine. Um, Weird to say we've got toddlers now. That is very weird because of course Amandine is one year and one month and they're a toddler when they get to 12 months old which is insane because Amandine is still very much my baby. Um, And then we rushed home, luckily got in the car before the rain, gave us some lunch, and now I'm here talking to you guys, which you'll be listening tomorrow morning, hopefully, or at some point tomorrow. Um, So yeah, Amandine hasn't been very well, or she hasn't been herself um, the last, well, at least the last week and a bit. Um, so we took her to the doctor yesterday because I just wanted to make sure with us going away on Wednesday, I know Hendrik keeps telling me off because he keeps saying, we're not, you know, we're not going to Timbuktu. We're just going to France. They've got really good medical care there, but you know what it's like when you don't really speak much of the other language and you're a mum, you want to know what's going on. And, you know, Hendrik doesn't maybe necessarily get as much across to the doctor that I would want him to. He actually did the talking yesterday, um, but obviously I didn't let him do the talking for very long. Um, And I just want to, I wanted to get the all clear or, you know, at least investigate things a bit further with our doctor. So at least if we were in France, I could call our doctor and say, this has happened, what do I need to do now, blah, blah, blah. Anyway... Um, she has been having, well, to start with, we thought it was the MMR jab, the second wave of the MMR jab, because Amandine is exactly as of yesterday, four weeks ago, a month ago, she had the MMR jab. And they say, I think it's the mump section of the MMR comes between three and four weeks. So when she really started to not be herself, I was thinking, you know what, this is a hundred percent the mumps. Maybe she's got like a little bit of the mumps, um, and having a bit of reaction to that because she wasn't eating, she wasn't drinking, she was she would look at the food as if she really really wanted it and then do kind of the like cross across the neck as in like I'm just not having that and lose it. Now Amandine we're really really lucky in that Amandine just doesn't lose her SH1T. Um I'm trying not to swear on my podcast because <laughs> I've had a real go to Hendrick about not swearing. So I'm really trying to not to swear on the podcast. Um, but she does. When we've been trying to feed her recently, she's really lost it. And she hasn't been wanting to drink. And obviously that's a cause for concern. She um, has still been breastfeeding in the morning and the evening. But I have been reluctant to give her milk again in the day because we're a long time past that. We're a good few months past that. But I did actually do it for the first time a couple of days ago because I just thought this is getting ridiculous. She's not eating anything. She doesn't want to drink anything. She'll happily take my boob. 
so you know this is the welfare of my child that's that's just where I'm at um so I gave her the boob and she, I mean, she didn't actually still really want any of it anyway anyway as of this morning she has flattened a whole bowl of porridge Hendrik made her lunch but all she actually wanted to eat was cream cheese and yogurt um so I think it's cold stuff as well it could be her teeth it could be molars too but anyway back to the doctor's She's been the the only concerning thing, which a lot of you might have experienced as well, is she has been doing very, very, I wouldn't go as far to say white necessarily, but very, very light coloured poos. Um, And she's just not digesting any food. Now, when you go on Dr. Google, which obviously don't go on Dr. Google, it's a silly idea, don't do it, do not go on Dr. Google, but if you happen to stumble across it, in the middle of the night when you're worried about your child. <laughs> There's so much stuff that says white poo go to your doctor straight away is a sign of something that's wrong with their liver. Now, I absolutely do not think it is that. Um, but that is what the doctors are just wanting to be sure of. Because obviously if there's also something with the liver, they're saying that she'll go yellow. So when Amandine was born, we know what this looks like. She had jaundice for quite a long time. Well, not quite a long time, but a good few days. So I know what to look for for jaundice. And she's been like this for, I would say, at least over a week. And I feel like if we were going to get to the jaundice point, we would be there already because she's been, you know, like this for quite a while. So I think what it could be is maybe a little tummy upset, but they don't think so. Or perhaps um, just because she's not eating very much, it could be coming out quite, uh, the the poo could be quite um, light and white. It's kind of like a clay a clay colour, a, yeah, like a, a slight hint of baby yellow. Isn't this nice? Nice discussion. Sorry. Maybe too early in the podcast to start discussing my child's poo. Anyway, the doctors have been great. They've taken a sample. They're going to send it to the lab, um, which actually has been really easy to do this. And we've sent a wee sample too. Now, you might be saying, how the hell did you get a wee sample from Amandine? She is nailing the potty. She is doing such a great job. I'm so proud of her. She's doing so, so well. um, I think it was maybe series one, uh, not series one, series five, episode one, Q&A, where I was talking about potty training and we had been not potty training, but I can't even remember what I called it back then. Um, But we have been putting her on the potty after her sleep in the morning and so she will normally if you get her on the potty before seven o'clock or around seven o'clock she will do a wee and she'll do a poo so to get the poo sample it was brilliant I just scooped it out of the potty and put it in a jar which was perfect um and then again with the wee so the doctor yesterday gave me like a you know those cardboard sick things that you can be sick and do um and they also have little ones for wee now so you don't have to pee into a silly little plastic pot um which when you're pregnant is really really difficult to get get that in there um but it is a cardboard one so I stuffed that into the potty and this morning she went and it was a brilliant wee sample and I could just pour it into the little sample pot that she gave me had she not been doing a wee on the potty, I have no idea how'd you get a urine sample. I mean, they go in the nappy and then what are you meant to do? Wring out your nappy? But then surely that's not going to be a sample. So I have a good enough sample. So anyway, no idea how you do it. But luckily for us, she did it and it was brilliant. And she's, yeah, nailing the potty. Sometimes she just won't go. So with Hendrik, actually, she isn't likely to go. 
Um, but with me, she is doing really, really well. All we do, I might as well continue on this topic because I've had a lot of questions on it, but all we do is when she wakes up in the morning, we pop her on the potty. If she's been for a wee in her nappy, which she always has actually in the morning, then um, we still go just as a matter of habit and she will hopefully do another wee or a poo as well. And then if I can, if we have the time, we'll put her in on the potty again before her nap, but normally we don't really have the time. So we put her um, to bed and then when she wakes up from her morning nap, she'll go on the potty again. Now she's napping now, so we'll put her on the potty when she wakes up from her nap and she will have a dry nappy normally after her lunchtime nap and her morning nap. She won't have peed. Um, so we put her on the potty then and my goodness, am I using way less nappies, (laughs) way less nappies. I know they're reusable. Um, but washing is brilliant because when she doesn't go in her nappy, I'll have less washing to do. Yay. Um, and then in the afternoon she does a few peas, uh, in her nappy and then we'll put her on the potty sometimes before bath time. Um, but often we forget or we just don't do it. In the morning, it's a great little routine that we have to brush her teeth when she's sitting on the potty. And I've got her one of these baby Sonic toothbrushes. It's from Brush Baby. We bought it on Amazon and she loves that. She loves it way more than a normal toothbrush. She'll hold it herself. And because it's a Sonic, it's kind of doing all the scrubbing for her. So there's no need to, for a parent to kind of get in there and scrub. Um, and if she's watching us do it with our electric toothbrushes as well, she's super, super happy to um, keep going with brushing her teeth. So that's really, really nice to see. I managed to snap her toothbrush this week though. So I had to buy another one, which was a bit frustrating. They're not that expensive. I think it was about eight pounds, but that you get two heads with it and the head goes up to the next age range of 18 months upwards. I think it's 18 to 24 months or something. So the head should last a really long time. Um, and I think you can get some spare heads as well if you need spare heads, but unfortunately I dropped hers and it snapped right where the head attached to the toothbrush. So there was no bringing that toothbrush back to life. Hendrik tried, but it didn't work, um, with a bit of glue, but no, it definitely didn't work. And also you don't necessarily want lots of glue around toothbrush, do you? No. Um, So potty wise, she's been really good, but also symptoms of kind of not being so great have been the normal ones. I think around this leap, my friend, um, who's got a little boy, just a month older than Amaldine was saying that, you know, everything that I'm saying and explaining about how Amaldine's feeling and what she's putting out there for us is a lot of what, um, her little boy's just been through on this current leap. So it's really difficult to tell if there's actually something wrong with your child or if they're just leaping. So Amandine is being super fussy, super clingy, but it's the unexplained crying and it's it's painful crying. It's like injection crying. It's not kind of, I just want to have a hug, mummy, please. Can I come up into your arms crying? Um, so we'll see. We'll see if the, I'll keep you guys updated because I know you like to know, but um, we'll see if anything comes back on the tests. And we also have a checkup booked in with a doctor uh, when we get back from France. So I think that's just for them to double check because yeah, the, the nurse who we saw called literally as we got home from the surgery yesterday and said, oh, I've just run into a doctor and he's had a look at the poo and he's saying about the liver, can you come back in? Um, but they don't seem that worried because they only want to see us next Friday. So yeah, they just basically said, if she goes yellow, make sure you take her to the emergency room. So that is obviously what we will do long before she's gone yellow, yellow. 
My fear was also dehydration because she's not drinking much water, but then she is having a good feed in the morning and a fairly good feed in the evening. So she's clearly taking as much as she needs to take and then trying to give her still tiny, tiny sips of water. And she loves water, so don't quite know what's going on. Um, But hopefully we will be out of it. But of course, you know, when you go to the doctor... And you book an appointment and they're having a serious meltdown and you're thinking, right, we're definitely going to the doctor. So you book an appointment. And then yesterday on our way to the doctor, she was happy as Larry. And then when we arrived at the doctor's, the nurse was like, gosh, yeah, she's chirpy, isn't she? I was like, are you kidding? Are you absolutely kidding? And then this morning, of course, she flattens a bowl of porridge and you just think, man, was that a total waste of time? But it wasn't because I now know that I'm going to France. They've got everything that they need to test. And had I not gone, I think I then would have been thinking, oh, should I have gone? Should I have not have gone? Especially if she got worse. One learning from my travel, and I'm not sure I shared this, but one learning um, from traveling out to France last time is always carry a thermometer in your hand luggage. Amandine was so hot, and I shared this um, a couple of weeks ago when we went out there. She definitely was having a reaction to the jabs because it was only a week after us having our jabs. Um, And... She definitely had a temperature, but I just didn't know how bad it was. And I I was getting to the point where I really didn't like what I was seeing. God, I sound like my mum. I really sound like my mum. My mum says that loads. I really don't like what I'm seeing here. (laughs) Um, So take a thermometer in your hand luggage. I am going to go and get ours after I finish the podcast and make sure I put it in our hand luggage. Not that I've started packing yet because I haven't. That is on my list to do once I finish the podcast, but I figured I can record the podcast whilst Amandine's sleeping. I cannot record the podcast when Amandine is awake. So touching on a question that one of you guys had um, about the first year injections. One of you said, God, they sound awful. Um, They sound really, really bad. I've heard lots of bad things about them. (sighs) I don't really know what to say because I, and this is probably quite a controversial thing to say on here, but you know that I'm super, super honest and super open about everything that I do with Amandine and everything that I share with you, but I am pro-vaccinations. I'm not so pro-giving them all in one go. I actually follow a really interesting lady on Instagram. She is a pediatrician. What's she called? What is she called? Is she called Sean Tripp? She's just moved her family out to Hawaii and she's a pediatrician and she requests that she has all her inoculations um, individually. Now, I don't know if that is a thing, over here in the UK, I am going to certainly ask when Amandine has her next ones, but she's not due her next ones for a really long time now. Um, but I think it's possibly worth asking uh, your doctor's surgery if they have that opportunity, or may- maybe you would need to go privately and pay. I really don't know if you want if you would want to do that. But essentially, what this pediatrician was saying was, um, what she likes to do with her kids is to have all the jabs done individually and detox her children afterwards. Now, I've no idea if that works. And she was talking about, I think she was talking about salt baths and putting clay on the bottoms of their feet to detox them and then tons and tons and tons of water. And that is after the injections. Really don't know if this is a thing over here, um, but I quite like the sound of it. And Amandine's totally fine after her injections. So when we had them, she has... So at one year, you have four injections. Um, Two in one leg, two in the other leg. 
And yeah, it's not nice. Of course, it's not nice with the needles going into their little legs. But one thing that we really found were helpful, we made sure her thighs were as warm as they possibly could be. So in the car, I sat in the back with her and we have one of those little um, hand warmers that you snap and then it gets really warm. So I snapped that when we were about five minutes away from arriving and it heated up and I just kind of lay it across one leg and then lay it across the other leg and we kept it on there just going between legs um, as we went into the doctor's surgery and then we also took a little ice pack wrapped in a kitchen cloth um, and we took that in too. So we applied the warm to start with just to warm up their muscles, help relax the muscles and then she had the injections and then immediately after each injection we put the cold pack on. Now you could visually see on her little thighs when she was relaxed and when she wasn't relaxed. The first two injections in one leg um, barely bruised at all. The second two in the other leg (laughs) bruised properly full-on bruised and of course they would because she doesn't know what's coming with the first leg and then the second leg she knows what's coming so she's going to be super uptight so we tried as much as we can with the heat but I mean it worked really well on the first leg and the fact that she was relaxed and didn't know what was about to happen and I think that's the worst thing with these year jabs is they're you know they're really intuitive they they kind of they know what's going on but they don't really know what's about to happen um and you can't explain it to them and you can't say you know this is for you this this is for you we're doing this for your health it's not going to be pleasant for the first few minutes but it will pass and all that stuff that you really want to say to your child and you feel really helpless that you can't do it but just be there for them. Loads of cuddles. Um, we did give Nurofen, baby Nurofen afterwards to um, help. And I think it really did help. Amandine did have a bit of a temperature, but actually it wasn't as bad as the ones that you have when they're a lot younger. And then a week in, she did get a temperature. Um, and then this three weeks in, she got a temperature. But I would say the temperature was for one day and one night on both occasions Um, and then I don't really know what to say about the three and a half week mumps bit because I can't quite say if how she's been feeling was down to the injections or not I think the mumps when I was reading up on the NHS website the mumps part of the injection um, comes out between three and four weeks and happens to one in 50 children that's a lot isn't it one in 50 children when you think about how many babies get these inoculations it's a lot so I think it's, you know, but I don't think it's meant to last for like a week of them having side effects. And the side effects that Amandine had were, you know, literally one temperature, if that's to do with the injection, um, and then just not really feeling herself and being like she wants to be cuddled. And that's fine. We had one night and that's when she had the temperature where she just didn't want to go to sleep in her own room. She came in with me, she slept on me, and actually it was fine. I quite enjoyed it, because I haven't had that for such a long time. Not since the really, really early days has she slept on me, and then I think you guys might remember, she was really ill at one point, and she had a really, really nasty cold, and I was ill too, and Hendrik was away in Gatwick for um, about four or five days, and Amandine went down, she was really, really ill. Um, And that was another time where I spent quite a few nights with her sleeping on me. But actually, she did sleep next to me then. She didn't really sleep on me. Um, And this time, she slept on me. Anyway, 
she'll be right as rain in no time. She'll be right as rain in no time. So today I also popped into Clark's because um, I really wanted to get Amandine some shoes. And I think it's just been drummed into me since I was, you know, growing up that when you get your first pair of shoes, you go to Clark's and you get your baby's feet measured. And um, just because, you know, that's what we did. Um, anyway, I went in, it was heaving heaving and I went to get a ticket and I was like there's just no point in me doing this I'm not in the right headspace I do not have the time Amandine isn't walking yet that's what I'm getting to here Amandine isn't walking yet but when we go to France she has this really cool little red car if you follow me on Instagram you might have seen this cool red car and then she has um that little wheelie it's just, it's a wheelbarrow essentially but we put Amandine in it and we wheel her to the beach which she loves And I just wanted her to have something slightly warmer on her feet. And if it's pouring with rain, something that will take the rain um, or at least, you know, not not let her feet get sopping wet. But I just couldn't do it today. So we'll save that for when we get back from France. I also thought it'd be really nice for Hendrik to come with me um, to get her first pair of shoes. I thought that's that's quite a moment, isn't isn't it, in your child's life, getting, getting your first pair of shoes. She's just having a little wriggle around on the baby monitor. I'm just watching her and I don't have the sound on, as you can probably hear, but I'm watching those little dots go from nice and green, which is indicating happy baby, to bright red. But actually, I think she's done with all of her wriggling um, and fingers crossed she'll go back to sleep because, yeah, Hendrik is asleep, so he is no help to me at all. Right, what else can I share with you? So I did um, have a chat yesterday with a bilingual acquisition expert. So she's an academic and she spent a lot of her um, time researching bilingualism. And I know that there are quite a few of you listening who are really keen to hear this. So it will be out in the next few weeks. When we get back from France, I'm going to put that one live for you because it was so, so interesting. Um, We are just trying to speak to her as much as we possibly can in both languages. Hendrik still only reads her French books and speaks to her in French. I am speaking a little bit of French alongside English, um, but only teeny, teeny, tiny bits. So most of my communication with Amaldine will be in English. And then I'll say, you know, the odd thing like thank you in French or um, uh, nappy change or something like that in French or we're going to get in the car and go somewhere in French just little things but one thing and I think this was the main takeaway from the bilingual chat that I had um, was if you are doing this and I think this is really good to tell you now before you listen to the podcast because it's something you can implement so easy and so quick is that you say so I will say um, yeah this is a banana this is a banana and then you say but papa says banana or I'll say sorry about my French accent um <laughs> I'll say we're going to get in the car but papa says une voiture um yeah that's that's kind of what you do so you associate the language to a person you can also associate a language to a location but you associate the language to the person so yeah I would very much say papa says papa says and then Hendrik says mama says or mama however you say that um yeah so implement that now if you're trying to bring your baby or child up bilingual and one of you is um your mother tongue is a different language to english so i am going to move on to a few of the topics that you guys wanted me to chat about car seat stuff oh my goodness so (laughs) 
ever since I um, put up that I was looking for a new car seat, clearly we're all very much at the same point because there are so many of you looking for similar car seats. Now, I have been doing a little bit of research and it is very much recommended that you should be rear-facing... Oh, Amandine is definitely awake. And now hopefully she's gone back to sleep. Anyway, so on to car seat stuff. So to clarify, we are very much talking about toddler car seats. So this is from nine kilograms, normally like nine kilograms upwards. So this is group one, two, and three upwards. Um, So I think group one goes from something like nine kilograms upwards. I don't know what the top range is. Some car seats do one, two, and three altogether. Obviously, if you're looking for a baby car seat, which is group zero, I believe, you absolutely have to check out the Bugaboo Turtle by Nuna. It is so brilliant. I wish it was out there when I had um, Amandine. And actually, it makes total sense for me to switch to the interlude now, which is going to tell you all about the Bugaboo Turtle by Nuna. Plus, make sure you listen right to the very end of this interlude. It is quite a long interlude, but that is because I really felt like there's so much factual information. If you're in the market for a car seat, there is so much factual information um, in here that I would want to hear if I was buying a car seat. But listen right to the end because there's a surprise for you at the end of the interlude. Um, Something that Bugaboo has never, ever, ever, ever done before. And it's for you guys, my lovely, lovely listeners. Bugaboo have collaborated with Nuna to create the Bugaboo Turtle by Nuna. I just love the name, it's so cute. And it's perfect for first-time parents. Designed with simplicity, safety and comfort as the priority. Bugaboo will now have you covered from that first ride home from the hospital to fun road trips and everyday journeys, keeping things simple but safe and with less chance of waking your baby. Those recognisable Bugaboo white buttons and seamless integration with your Bugaboo stroller make moving from stroller to car or car to stroller so easy. Safety features include a true lock base with triple installation confirmation, a no thread five point harness, a patented Taylor Tech foam for side impact protection. The Bugaboo Turtle is eye size compliant to ensure the safest positioning and security for your child. Bugaboo always pride themselves on comfort for your child, and so the Bugaboo Turtle has adjustable head support, signature Bugaboo canopy with mesh peekaboo, and a UPF 50 Plus smart visor for cozy cocooning. Meanwhile, the washable merino wool insert provides optimal climate control. Oh, they thought of everything. And we've got this for Mum Talk podcast listeners. A 10% saving on Bugaboo products available this month, October 2019. So visit bugaboo.com forward slash mumtalk using promo code mumtalk10 at checkout, capital letters, and choose the pram, pushchair, stroller, car seat, or accessory to suit your lifestyle. Terms and conditions apply. Bugaboo reserve the right to terminate this offer at any time. Okay, so I know I just literally fluttered from toddler car seats to infant car seats, but I hope 
you got that. Um, and doesn't it sound amazing? So on to toddler ones, what I was saying before Amandine threw, I'm going to blame Amandine, <laughs> Amandine threw my train of thought was it's recommended that they should be rearwards facing at least till they're 15 kilograms but I think for just essentially as long as possible so as long as your baby will handle it now some of my friends have already um switched their babes round to face forward facing because their babies just kick up a fuss in the car seat and just won't deal with it any longer we are going to Amandine doesn't have an issue in the car seat at all she loves it so we are going to definitely go with rear facing still um so I think what we're looking at is the next car seat goes up until about four years um where they can rear face and we are gonna I think look into a spinny one now your suggestions and recommendations are coming through still very much so I'm gonna hold off suggesting anything until I've done a bit more research and had a lot more um a look at what you guys are recommending and then I will share those over on my Instagram if you are in the same boat now I apologize if you hear any background noise um Hendrik has just got Amandine because she was awake so she hasn't even been to sleep yet well she's been asleep for I'd say 45 minutes and this is another point where we're at right? Normally we have such an amazing routine with Amandine, but this last kind of week, two weeks, um, has been carnage with her naps. I'm not going to lie. One minute she's asking to go down. I really do. I really do stick by kind of what I say is I'm always trying to be on the same wave as Amandine and, um, watch her for her cues of wanting to go to bed so sometimes she'll want to go down like at 8am in the morning after waking up at like half past five which is fine so put her down but then that means for an earlier afternoon nap and then sometimes she's not quite tired enough so she'll only sleep for like an hour but I put her down at 1.30 today and it's 2.30 and she hasn't she literally hasn't even been asleep for 45 minutes um so our routine is going a little bit out of the window which is fine because actually you know what it's totally fine we've been blissed blessed blissed blessed that Amandine has um really enjoyed a routine and asked for a routine but right now what it looks like is Amandine either wakes up at 5 30 or 6 or 6 30 very very occasionally um I get up with her well I feed her actually lying down in bed um feed her get up with her brush her teeth go to the potty get her in a warm jumper change her nappy, go downstairs, um, play for a little bit and then make her breakfast. So she has her porridge. And then normally after breakfast, it's like straight to bedtime. Um, I think eating's quite tiring, isn't it? When you're a little baby or a toddler, I should say. Then hopefully she goes down for about an hour and a half in the morning. Um, and then we go and maybe do something or just hang around in their house. Lunchtime is around 12.15 normally, uh, 12.30. And then normally, she'll sleep for an hour and a half, occasionally two hours and occasionally less than an hour. Now this gets you into quite tricky territory because if I went out now at half past two and went out to go see a friend or something and I put her in the car around 4.30, she would 100% take a danger nap, 100% she'd fall asleep. And then going to bed would be a bit tricky around 7, 7.30 um, would be a bit tricky and the whole evening just kind of gets a little bit bleh. so what I try and prefer to do is if we don't go out or if I manage to keep her awake in the car somehow is she will stay awake and I'll put her to bed at 
So we'll start the whole bath bed book business um, kind of 10 to 6 and she'll be ready to go to sleep at 6.30 having been fed. Now someone asked a very good question after the dentist podcast have I switched Amandine's routine round to have brushing teeth as the last thing that we do after feeding? The answer is 100% no I have not and that is because um, I don't think she'd take very well to that. She loves and it's been like this from day one. She loves being fed and then being put down in her cot. And right now, it's the way that I know she will go down and things will be fine. So I don't really want to change it. Um, uh, I might do what Gemma suggested, the dentist, um, and and maybe go in and like try and rub a bit of toothpaste on her teeth after feeding I feel like that would be less kind of waking up than saying let's put a toothbrush in your mouth now especially one that buzzes and flashes <laughs> that's definitely going to wake her up isn't it so I think kind of rubbing a bit of toothpaste on the teeth might be something that I do at some point but we really are trying to transition off that last feed um we haven't continued with it I don't know if any of you follow me on Instagram on mum talk but I said that when we were back in between our France visits I really wanted to get Amandine eating with a spoon come back to that and um Amandine dropping the night feed and having milk in a cup instead haven't managed to do that because she just hasn't been herself so actually haven't managed to do either <laughs> so there goes my goal setting um but hopefully we will transition to that at some point. I'm going to try and give it a go maybe whilst we're in France, but I very much doubt that's going to happen because everything goes a little bit awry when we're in France. Um, but that would be, I would say, a little bit easier to then start implementing the toothbrush thing because she'll be awake drinking from a cup, won't she? One of you lovely listeners also mentioned that be prepared for them to drink much less in from a cup because obviously you don't have the um, connection of breastfeeding or bottle feeding, that kind of calming suction. It's just like, oh great, thanks mum, sipping from a cup, fun. Um, it's not really very relaxing, is it? So we're going to try doing warmed almond milk. So funny thing happened. Oh my gosh. Hendrik, <laughs> Hendrik ended up with my breast milk in his mouth. Oh, my, he was so not happy. Oh, he was so not happy. So when we originally got back from France and I said I was going to do this, I reheated some of my freezer stash and put it in a mug um, and I thought Hendrik knew this. I thought he knew this. Anyway, he, I gave it to Hendrik when he was sitting there and she took a sip and then kind of like looked in disgust at me and Hendrik. And then I turned my back to go fold some nappies and Hendrik was sipping the cup and just after it had touched his lips, I was like, no, 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 don't do it, don't do it. And he was like, what, what, what? And he spat it back out. Thank God he didn't swallow it. But he spat, spat it out. He was like, don't tell me. Don't, don't, just don't tell me. That was breast milk, wasn't it? Don't, no, don't answer that. Poor thing. I mean, I don't even really want to try my breast milk. I did actually on this occasion, which I think was pretty much like the second time ever I've tried my breast milk. I, I, by try, I mean like I dipped my little finger in because it smelt, this is gross, sorry, but it smelt sour. And I don't think, I think I've come to the conclusion after all that damn pumping, I don't think my milk freezes very well. Um, so I have this wonderful freezer stash of milk that is really rubbish. 
And Amandine certainly doesn't want it. I don't want it, clearly. Um, I don't even think I can really cook with it and do her like morning porridge with it. So I don't actually have many left, but 90% of all my pumping effort has 100% gone down the sink. I don't think there's really any. I pumped loads for the fridge um, when we were like trying to get Amandine to take a bottle. Um, so, you know, that didn't go to waste, but I just don't think my milk freezes very well at all. And I know we've had this discussion before. Some of you said boil it first or something. I think that was what you said. Um, I didn't do that. Of course I didn't do that. (laughs) It was way too much effort. Um, but I'd be interested to hear about what you guys do. Um, and if you find that your babies have the same and they just don't want freezer milk so please do message me or email me if you are listening and you're like oh yes mine does the same so on that topic um another one of you asked how do we stop breastfeeding when baby won't consistently take a bottle or a cup I so feel you here because um that's why we tried so hard to get Amandine to take a bottle and she did eventually um so I mean from my experience I would say persevere 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 it took us months to get Amandine to try and take a bottle months of wasted milk depending um you know on age I know you know yours is really little and diddy but you could think from six months onwards that they can take a cup anyway. So you could try um, lots and lots of different cups. So I put this out on Instagram and one of you said, I need the answer. <laughs> okay, I'm hopefully going to provide some suggestions anyway, certainly not the answer. Um, it's finding the right bottle. I found a straw bottle worked the best, someone's said. Uh, someone has also said try mini bee bottles, which is what, not mini bee, that's what I always call them, min bee bottles, which is what I use with Amandine. They're proven to work for babies which refuse other bottles. Now, proven, meh, there's a lot of adverts out there, aren't there, about min bee bottles throwing all these things out there. For us, yes, it works. We have min bee bottles. However, we persevered for months. I don't know if that was down to the bottle or not. So, and we, I think we tried around four months as well. And it took us a really, 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 really long time. I can imagine it's a really challenging thing to think about when you are perhaps sending your baby to nursery as well. Because, of course, if they don't take a bottle or they don't take a cup, what do you do? I mean, I honestly have no idea. Which leads me on to another question from you guys. Uh, What's your view on getting A into nursery? Yeah, I don't really have a view. I'm really lucky in that I've created work where I can be at home. Um, Now, I'm not saying this is easy. (laughs) It really is not easy. And it's actually proving more and more and more and more difficult uh, as I get a lot more work coming in and also as Amandine gets older. Now, when I started the podcast when I was pregnant, it was easy. You know, I could record it in my own time whenever I wanted. Um, but, and when Amandine was born, I could literally have her on my lap and record the podcast and she'd be breastfeeding and then she'd go to sleep. But now I can only record the podcast when she's napping and there's a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes with the podcast and that takes a lot of time. Um, so, 
what we're trying to do, I'm trying to get my mum and Amandine to bond loads in the hope that my mum will take Amandine for one morning or one afternoon at some point during the week. And that will be in addition to, I'm lucky in a sense that with Hendrik's work, he doesn't just work in the week, he works all over the shop. Um, and a lot of when he does work, it's whilst we're asleep, <laughs> um, either in the morning or in the evening. So he's occasionally around for the afternoon or he's around first thing in the morning it's a little bit harder when he's in the morning because he normally naps if he's um flying in the afternoon so and into the evening so it is tricky we don't have a set time when Amandine could be at nursery that's the other thing that we don't really have you know I don't want to start saying Amandine's going to go to nursery on Wednesday and then if Hendrik has Wednesday off that's really rubbish for Hendrik because he you know she doesn't essentially need to go and Hendrik wants to chill out with her and they're building such a huge relationship such a great relationship now and bonding seriously bonding like seriously bonding I feel like I'm a piece of the furniture sometimes I mean she just doesn't want me most of the time and in fact the last couple of weeks she really hasn't wanted me she just wants papa all the time wants papa um so nursery wise uh, I'm also you know I watch my wonderful friends who are missioning and going back to work um and their babies are just getting illness after illness after illness after illness and I don't know about you, but every time Amandine gets sick, I get sick. If it's a cold, I get sick. And then Hendrik gets sick. And then we're all sick. And it's a nightmare. And then the minute you get well again, I'm like, oh my God, Amandine's never socializing again. And then we do. And then she gets sick again. And I think, you know, if you're sending your babes to nursery, that's they're going to they're going to pick up the germs aren't they aren't they but if you're not sending your baby to nursery and then you pick up all the germs it's a bit pants but it's, it has to happen of course it has to happen that's just what happens um but I just I can't I can't really justify sending Amandine to nursery her picking up all of these germs um and then that would almost make the rest of my working week a bit more challenging if you see what I mean so anyway right now to cut a long story short we don't need to do it right now I would at some point, especially after speaking to the bilingual lady, would like to try and see if there are some other mums who are bringing their children up French English bilingual because she was making a very good point that if toddlers can see other toddlers speaking a different language then they tend to take on the language a little bit better other than it just being at home they might then start to think oh this is just something I do at home and then I speak English everywhere else and then when they go to school they might decide actually you know I'm going to chuck French um, because no other kids are doing it and I want to fit in. And it was a really, really good point that she made. So I would really like to try and find some other families who are potentially doing French and English bilingual. So if you're living in Devon, uh, Devon's a big place, but, you know, we have a car, um, then maybe we can meet up and drop me a message if you're doing something similar because we can get our toddlers chatting in French um, when they start to talk, obviously. But even if they're just around it, apparently it's really, really good. Okay, I'm going to move on to the next question. Baby proofing and crawling. Yeah, we didn't do much baby proofing, actually. We're really, really lucky in that we renovated the whole of our downstairs. Um, <laughs> our biggest hazard is our tiled floor, which is all of downstairs. We have solid tiles. Possibly not the most baby proofed thing we ever thought of however Amandine's really learnt. I think she's learnt to 
not throw herself down on her head. She, when she does fall, she flips over onto her hands really, really well and she holds her head up. So I think we're quite lucky in that she's picked that up. We do have a big crash mat, a totter and tumble crash mat, which is flipping brilliant. I think I'm gutted to say, though, really gutted to say, though, we might have to get rid of it because we are having some big glass and steel wall uh, doors, sliding doors put in, and it doesn't fit. You guys may have remembered me talking about how much I wanted to totter and tumble mat and Hendrik didn't. Um, you definitely would have seen that on my Instagram and we, you know, fought loads over it and I just went ahead and bought it and now I'm like, oh, sugar butties, sugar butties. And now, of course, they've bought out a smaller size, which is the one we need, really. So if you are in the market for a secondhand totter and tumble, then put me a message on Instagram, DM me at mumtalk because I will um, potentially be able to get one to you. <laughs> Um, yeah, gutted about that, but it just isn't going to fit at all. Anyway, baby proofing and crawling. Um, we have put some really cute bunny, like they're, they're quite funny actually, teddy bears and cats. It's not bunnies, it's cats. Little corner things on the two sharp things that we have. So we have my dad's old army box, which I put a glass top on. We've put corners on those and we have also put corners on a bench that we have downstairs really really sharp wooden corners that that's the only thing we've baby proofed but again because we renovated we don't have things down low that she can grab it's pretty minimalist downstairs um we both don't like clutter Hendrik likes clutter even less than me so basically anything that doesn't have a purpose we don't have we only have things in our house that have a purpose he doesn't we both really don't like um you know things that just sit around and do nothing what well, there's a word for that isn't there uh what's it called like interior interior I can't think of the word but you know things that just stand there and look pretty we don't we don't do that very much so we didn't have much to baby proof but there's so many things that you can get out there there's like rubber strips you can put on furniture um Taking things off low shelves, putting them up higher, obviously, if they're going to pull it over, don't do that. But maybe getting some boxes, like going to Ikea or something, getting some boxes and putting some boxes in. They're not going to be able to open those for a while, you'd think. Um, so there are lots of things you can do, but I'm not the best person to speak to for those because I don't have, we haven't had to do it really. We still don't have a stair gate. Uh, Amandine has learnt to climb the stairs. She is refusing to go down them on her bum or on her back, but you know, like facing the stairs as you go down um, backwards. So right now she's climbing them, but she doesn't get too far up them, and I'm always there. So there will be a point when we get a stair gate, whether it will actually go on the stairs or whether it will go in the door frame of her nursery. I think that's probably more likely what we will do um, because our walls are lava and plaster in our house. And I'm slightly concerned about the stair gate going on uh, the lather plaster wall because I, f I actually do think it will make a dent. Um, we'll see. We'll see. They're not particularly great, our walls. Okay, another one. Um, oh, this is another nursery one, actually. So sorry for jumping. But helping your baby settle into nursery and working mum guilt. So I can't say about settling into nursery. I'm not even going to attempt to answer that. But working mum guilt, I really can... Um, I think I can share something. Don't have it. <laughs> Your little ones 
you're doing everything that you're doing for your little ones, right? And you're trying to keep a bit of self-identity. Now, this is something that they are going to look up to when they're older. And, you know, you're living your passion. You're doing what you'd like to do. (laughs) Hendrik's laughing in the background. Um, You're really, you're being a role model for them. And I think that's the most brilliant thing. And don't, don't be don't be guilty about working, you know, they'll soon understand why you're doing it, you'll be able to explain, you know, it's all, it's all amazing stuff. Um, So essentially what I'm trying to say is try to look past any guilt that you may feel going to work as a mum. You're setting an example and you are being an amazing role model and you're doing what you're doing for your little one. So, and for you, and that is, that is awesome too, that you're doing it for you and that you're claiming back your identity. So I think it's great. Don't feel mum guilt. Don't feel mum guilt. A, listen to, um, the podcast that I did with Leon and Carly Rowena, uh, and also follow Carly Rowena if you're not already. She's pretty inspirational on the whole mum guilt thing. Um, so have a little she continues with everything that she's doing um she is a instagrammer influencer um but has stuck with everything that she's doing and is i i find pretty good to follow if you're worried about mum guilt fostering better independent naps so it depends what age you're doing this at but from my experience um I really, really found it incredibly helpful putting Amandine in her nursery to take daytime naps and at the start of evening naps and spending as much time as we could uh, in her nursery and also just being hands off, I guess. So there's, I wish I could go back to the point when Amandine would fall asleep on me and, you know, your baby will stop falling asleep on you and they will want their own space, I am absolutely sure. Um, but I would say if you have a nursery, trying to spend as much time in there so they're happy in there and they enjoy being in there and then try and get maybe one of the daytime naps in there. So Amandine wanted to be in her cot from a really young age. We never did the kind of stroller nap stuff. I've now just started to go into the stroller nap stuff now that we have our bugaboo fox, which is absolutely awesome for stroller naps because of the huge canopy and it's just the way it's designed is brilliant. Anyway, I'll share more about the bugaboo fox and in down the line um but it is absolutely brilliant for daytime napping and has given me a lot of more freedom but if you're trying to get independent naps then try and have them in the cot if you can uh where you're leaving them try and do white noise all that kind of stuff putting them into their pjs i've talked so much about this on previous podcasts so definitely go back and have a listen to anything that says sleep in the title or in the description i talk about it a lot entertainment tips for seven months and tips for not snacking all day as a stay-at-home mum oh I hear you yeah snacking all day especially me working from home as well yeah snacks a lot but I do try and eat quite a bit of things like grapes and saxumas and um I guess when I'm actually really quite busy I don't snack a huge amount but um I try and make things like yummy banana bread that you can have some of too as well as your little one um also make it with them I made a banana bread with Amandine the other day and she loved it I gave her her own little mixing bowl and I put some you know some stuff in there which obviously didn't go into the same baking because 
it ended up having all sorts of things in there um and she loved it i definitely would recommend baking with your little one do it on the floor if you have a wipeable floor or get like a mini tarpaulin or a um tablecloth or something like that and just put it in the wash afterwards although make sure you shake any food off i made the biggest mistake of putting a rug it wasn't like a rug like a huge muslin without shaking off broccoli and stuff and I put it in the wash and it was just gross it was disgusting when it came out (laughs) it was almost worse after it came out um, of the wash so shake your lumps of food off people before you put things in the wash another thing for entertaining um blah 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 what stacking stuff I I actually find Amandine's favorite things is just trying to copy what I'm doing um and if I'm in the kitchen I have a cupboard for her and which she can just go in and turf everything out and then we just put it back together all at the end or if I'm doing some stirring and things like that or I'm chopping up veggies I try and give her like one of the vegetables that I'm doing um and a saucepan and she'll kind of have it in and out of the saucepan and she really enjoys that kind of stuff so yeah or if she's in a bit of a bad mood sometimes I'll put her in the stroller and she'll just watch me um or I'll put her in her high chair and she'll watch me do stuff while she's kind of got something up there with her high chair maybe a book or something what other entertainment things um God, I'm not very good with entertainment. Basically, anything that shakes. Anything that shakes, I think, seven months old love. Um, plenty of time outside in nature. Go out for loads of walks if you can, especially if you're a stay-at-home mum. Go out for loads and loads of fresh air, loads of walks. Show them all the trees, all the birds. Listen to the noises. Try and get them to listen to the noises. Go to the swings. Um, that's what we do just we're just outside loads of the time which I think is the best right heartburn 25 weeks pregnant I'm going to my Instagram now and I'm going to look at all the recommendations because you guys had a ton of recommendations for heartburn at 25 weeks pregnant so most of you said neat liquid Gaviscon straight from the bottle carried in your handbag at all times love that almonds i have heard about this almonds and almond milk recommended by my midwife someone said but i have heard that before um almond milk cold and gaviscon by the gallon gallon even avoid spicy and sour food try lying down on the left side with your head high up and try ginger banana and milk might help um I took nothing, someone said, not advised, lots out now too about the medication side effects, but sit up in bed. So I have to say when I had a little bit of heartburn, but it didn't, it it didn't affect me too much. But when I did have some, I didn't actually take anything. Um, I used Rennie's, someone said, safe for pregnancy and didn't make me constipated either. So that's good. Someone said you can take Gaviscon, but GP can also prescribe, hmm, how do I say this? Omprazole, omprazole, or ranitidine. Ranitidine. I'm probably saying that's really badly, but yeah, go see your GP. See if they can suggest something. If you're not getting anywhere with milk, milk. I drank lots of milkshakes as I don't actually like milk. Mm, that'd be quite good. Don't eat heavy meals at night. Eventually, my doctor prescribed me something. Oh, this is a good one. This is a completely natural version of Gaviscon, apparently. Half a teaspoon of bicarbonate of soda in a glass of water. 
That sounds pretty good. Bicarbonate of soda does everything, doesn't it? Bicarbonate of soda, if you don't know already, gets out stains, which is um, really handy. Really, really handy. Right, now, um, what else is on my list to talk to you about? How many words can A now say in French and English, and what's the ratio? I'd say it was the same. So she can say things like pom and chat, I think. Uh, we think she said chat, we're not too sure. Um, she can say doggy, and banana is like bah! <laughs> That's what banana is. And tom tom is tomato. So she can say a few little words. So I'd say it was about the same. So it was about the same right now. But listen to the bilingual podcast because it's really, really interesting. I do ask her about that, like what ratio should we we be looking for? And she essentially says it's imp it's input your input will be your expected output essentially so if you're speaking even English and French you should be getting even English and French at this age anyway okay second to last question is any tips with a four-month-old who has a cold oh god tons of cuddles tons and tons of cuddles um, the vapor rub that you can get, uh, I put that on, so the baby one, obviously, I put that on Amandine's sheet all the way around her cot, which really helped. There's apparently a plug-in cowpole, which you can plug into the socket and it lets out some kind of magic, which really helps. I don't know if you can use that from six months, definitely check. I've never bought one, so I don't know. I don't know if your baby will take cowpole. I mean, I'm not that pro uh cow poly and things but if they're you know really suffering then it might be something you might want to consider um what else put some put some of that vapory stuff on you so when they're cuddling you they're um they can keep their nose passages that's the hardest thing isn't it breastfeeding with a cold or any form of bottle feeding actually anything any feeding with a cold is pretty horrific but just slow and steady maybe keep them a little bit more upright than normally would um oh yeah it's awful I wish I could help every person who experiences especially the first one their baby having a cold because it is horrific um so I'm sending all my strength to you if this is happening for you right now and if I don't really have the answers because I just guess I missioned through it but that was like the worst thing that anyone can say to you what I just said by the way <laughs> I remember going to the um one the you know the emergency doctor that you can see on a weekend because Amandine just wasn't getting better she was chucking out high temperatures she just she couldn't feed oh it's awful obviously when I actually rocked up to the doctor's surgery Amandine looked a lot better um but when I was there the, the lady just said to me like you know what sometimes parenting is really hard and you've just got to knuckle down and get on through it and I was like that is the worst thing you could say to me right now I am not happy <laughs> um so try if you can to get as much support around you as well because you won't get a huge amount of sleep I wouldn't have thought if your baby oh oh a top tip yes one thing that I remember is prop up your baby's cot or bassinet if you don't have that feature available then try and do it somehow um so you can prop it up so it's on a slant so a bit like refluxy tilt um try and prop it up because I remember propping up Amandine's cot and it helped so so much we just got two books that were the same height put one under each end and prop it up yeah that would be my best things I guess 
the baby vapor rub on the um or albus oily type thing on sheet and grow bag i don't tend to put it on their skin um and on you and then prop up the baby cot yeah okay last question and i actually think this was one of the best questions i have ever had and i think it was brilliant and it was a question for hendrick and he was very happy to get a question <laughs> i'm still trying to persuade him to come on the podcast but he's still fighting it i think i need you guys to like send him a bunch of dms it would probably get him over the moon actually oh my god you should totally do this let's do this his instagram is hendrick jolin so it's h-e-n-d-r-i-k and then j-a-u-l-i-n if you go to any of my pictures pretty much on mum talk you'll see that he's taken them and you can just link through there send him a dm (laughs) and um or maybe tag him into a post on my instagram saying how much you think he should come on the podcast maybe that'll persuade him let's do it let's try and railroad him into coming on the podcast um what should we as mums know about being a new dad isn't that a brilliant question I think that's such a good question anyway I asked him this last night and he said one of the things that he loved the most was time to just figure things out himself having alone time with her and without me hovering (laughs) and nagging they were his very words hovering and nagging of course I never hovered I mean did I hell of course I did um I was definitely one of those who was like wait do it this way she likes it this way no do it this way I'm sure there's loads of you who can um who can agree that you might have done that at some point nagging not so much but apparently I nag when I ask him to put pass a knife and a fork so you know your nagging and my his nagging and my nagging levels are very different um, but yeah, just trying to have confidence and you know give them to your partner for a little bit and so they can really bond and really have some time um, alone. And he was saying that was one of the best things is, you know, sometimes, and I feel like from watching Hendrik, you know, in the early days, there, were, there, weren't re- there wasn't really a huge amount he could do. And also I was incredibly... I think I was quite headstrong in the early days in that I was like, no, I don't want to nap. Like, I'm, I'm really high on hormones. I don't need to nap. I don't need to nap. Of course I needed to nap. But no one forced me to do it. And I'm not blaming anyone else. It was totally and utterly my fault for not napping. But now I think back and I'm like, God, please let me nap. <laughs> I should have napped when I was offered it and given the opportunity. So take take that up. Go have a nap. Let let your partner do um do a bit of the heavy lifting for a while. And obviously if you're breastfeeding that's not so easy. Um but you know, give them a bit of alone time was what he was saying. And that concludes your topics and questions of what you wanted me to talk about this week. I hope this has been a fun catch-up chat. It's been way longer than I expected. Um, I expected this to be a, like a quick quick fire of what we've been up to, but you know what? It's been really lovely catching up and chatting with you all. Um, I don't know if there's anything else that I can touch on really um, or that is, is really interesting. We're still going with swimming. In fact, last week for the first time, she hated it, but I think that's because she just wasn't feeling so great. And on reflection, I think I probably should have got out of the pool a bit earlier. She didn't hate it. She wasn't, you know, throwing her toys out of the pram and crying, but 
I could just see on her face she was just not loving it. And I, I actually think I should have not gone. We had a um, a catch-up session yesterday and I did actually say, you know what, we're not going to go because she wasn't feeling her best. And uh, yeah, can you can you hear that? I don't know if you'll be able to hear that, but that was really funny. She's clearly feeling much better than she has been. And on that note, because I think that's really cute, I am going to end this podcast. I am going to go and see my little one. I am going to pack, pack for France. Hendrik was really funny. He was like, yeah, I'm going to pack. I'm going to pack. I was like, oh, okay, great. Well, you know, just let me um, just have a look in Amandine's uh, drawers and bits and maybe she needs a couple of jumpers, you know, a few pairs of leggings. And he was like, no, 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 I'm going to pack. <laughs> I'm going to pack my stuff. So yeah, he packs his stuff and I am going to do my stuff and Amandine's stuff. I'm going to do that now. I'm going to get this podcast up and ready so you guys can listen to it. Um, and then hopefully I am going to go for a bit of a walk, get some fresh air because tomorrow is a long day of traveling. But you know what's so refreshing is that we will be in France by lunchtime and we'll be able to go to the beach, paddle our feet in the sea, have some dinner and then go to bed at a reasonable time rather than rocking up in France at 2am in the morning. So if anyone has any questions, pretty please DM me at mumtalkpodcast Instagram or pop me an email at mumtalkpodcast at gmail.com and I will happily answer your questions or point you in the direction or share my experience. Um, And I will check in with you next week before the chat with a UK midwife. Thanks so much for listening. Lots of love. Have a lovely rest of your week. Bye. Mum Talk Series 5 is supported by Bugaboo, a world of innovative products that give every parent the confidence and freedom for the journey ahead. And we've got this for Mum Talk podcast listeners, a 10% saving on Bugaboo products available this month, October 2019. So visit bugaboo.com forward slash mum talk using promo code mumtalk10 at checkout capital letters and choose the pram pushchair stroller car seat or accessory to suit your lifestyle terms and conditions apply bugaboo reserve the right to terminate this offer at any time